Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on thebigscreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Flitz. Well, we're back. Again? Again. Where are these guys? No Rick. <laughs> no Nick. Boov and Brooks. Find us. Yeah, we're... The fill-ins are back again. Hey, yeah. sometimes the manager knows when to go to the bench, right? Really? Yep. Well, I think we did pretty good last time filling in off the bench, though, so... Very, li- very very minimal hate mail for episode one. Really? Good. <laughs> very, very minimal is good. Not yeah. sure what's up with Rick or Nick. Uh, they got something going on. I saw Rick this morning. He's running around. Looked like he had something on his mind, and I don't think it was podcasting, so... Well, they're big-time film people, so you never know what exactly they might have to come on their plate. Yeah, he's off to the early show. That's what it is. Yeah, as our intro guy tells us to, to kick off this show, they have all of these items that are attached to their credential. That intro guy seems to know what he's talking about, but I don't I don't know. Maybe Rick and Nick, because of those things, they have to run off and get going. And, and then they just happen to leave behind the scraps that are this podcast and its episodes. We are the scraps. We are the go for the go for get the stuff put together. Here you go, guys. Yeah, great, thanks. And then they don't show. So exactly. we're, we're ready for this. Yeah, we're going to take it on. Uh, this indeed is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks, episode two. Uh, thank you for coming along. If you got a chance to listen to our first episode of the podcast, if not, you can check it out paulbunyanbroadcasting.com and click on the podcast tab for our ever-expanding fleet of podcasts that are on there. Heck, we might have a franchise going here at some point, Dave. It's funny we'll talk you should bring more about that, up. that. Yeah, we'll talk more about that as we go along here today. Another thing to bring up, since we are going to be talking about movies, we are going to be talking about movies. Uh, so that means spoilers ahead, quite possibly. But for this particular episode, we're talking about mainly some movies that haven't come out yet. So difficult to put spoilers out. But we are going to talk free and open about movies. So if there's a twist or a turn that you don't want to find out in advance, then just be aware it could come up. Although I think this episode will be relatively safe, but you never know what comes up in the course of conversation. The reason we say this is going to be a relatively safe episode in theory is we are looking ahead to the summer movies of 2017, a.k.a. sequels. blockbusters. Yep, it is going to be Franchise Fest and Sequel Palooza 2K17. <laughs> Where the heck is the originality? That's our that's our theme here for today. Isn't that kind of the theme of summer movies anyway? It's always something uh, with a big I Roman guess. numeral and you know, it, it's all sequels, it's all franchises, it's all anything else. You don't really run into like we were talking just before we started a lot of original programming, but sometimes that's kind of what makes for a good summer blockbuster because it's like the the old Flash Gordon serials. He didn't make it. He was. He went over the. He went over the cliff in the car. Oh my goodness! You gotta see what happens next. Well, part two is coming out this summer, and yep. How many people are looking forward to find out whether Ray is Luke's daughter? Well, when episode eight comes out this winter, that's what I'm talking about. Exactly, so it fits in well for summer. Yeah, here's uh, actually we we both made lists, which were actually pretty much the same list of of what's coming up this summer to look into. I counted seven movies here that are sequels of some kind. 
I counted three additional movies that are part of a larger franchise, and I counted two movies that are either a remake of some kind or they're based on some other type of visual content, whether it be television, movie, or otherwise. There's not much that's coming up this summer that is original, like that is very original in its, its thought and its creation, and that's... You're right, Dave. That's kind of what we have come to expect with these summer blockbuster movies, which is kind of disappointing when you think about it a little bit more. If you really are a movie buff who likes original thought, new ideas. I mean, even take a look at last summer a little bit with with the movies they came out last summer. Here were the top grossing movies from last summer. Summer of 2016. Finding Dory was number one on that list. Obviously, there was a lot of excitement yeah. over the fact that it was it was finally a sequel to Finding Nemo. Finally a sequel, first of all. It, I didn't think it was necessary to but have Finding good, Dory. But it was good. Even though it was good, it, it was like, you know, this this isn't necessary. Finding Finding Nemo was a great on-its-own movie. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of the Pixar movies. Don't even ask me about Toy Story 4. Please don't. <laughs> um, Captain America Civil War followed that up um, as far as total gross. Another one that is, that is a sequel that's part of a bigger franchise. The Secret Life of Pets was one that kind of broke the mold, but was up there in that group. Suicide Squad, part of a larger franchise. Jason Bourne, a sequel. Star Trek Beyond, a sequel. X-Men Apocalypse, a sequel. Ghostbusters, a reboot. You, you see where I'm going with this. There's, there is a general theme. I mean, it's not just summer. I mean, you can look at some of the highest grossing films these days. They are very sequel-oriented or franchise-oriented, which... This might be a larger discussion for another day since we're talking mainly about these movies this summer, but it is fascinating slash a little disappointing to see that it's so many sequels that are taking over. To go back to a line from a much earlier summer blockbuster from Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum's character has a line where you were so impressed with the technology that you could have, you never stopped to think whether you should have. So sometimes these things like Ghostbusters, you know, talk about last summer, it wasn't a bad movie. But there was clearly no reason to do it. It just, you know, if you're going to have really inspired to do it, then do it. Otherwise, you know, it was Columbia Pictures that said, hey, we want to do a Ghostbusters movie. They gave it to a talented crew, but they they were just tasked with it. They came up with the stuff that I think is best they could. I think it's pretty fair. It yeah. was like Ghostbusters too. They just did it because why not? You know, we need yep. to do it. We want to do it. So we're going to do it rather than I've got an amazing idea. It would be a great sequel to this. I want to do it. Yeah. Perfect example was Rogue One. Rogue One, if you know the background, they came up with, okay, we're going to do the next trilogy, episode seven, eight, and nine, but we're also going to do these in-between standoff movies. Now, one of them was going to be a Boba Fett standoff movie. Now, some of the effects team at ILM said, on their own, came up with this idea, what about this heist movie where they come up with the plans for the Death Star? They presented it and pitched it to Lucasfilm. They said, you know what? Yeah. All of a sudden, the Boba Fett standalone movie disappeared. They kept the Han Solo one, and instead they came up with Rogue One. Yep. That was an inspired decision, and that's what I'm talking about. If they could do that with a Ghostbusters or an X-Men or whatever, that is is probably going to be a pretty good and inspired movie. And that's what helps, even if it is a sequel, that's what will help make it really good. Like, I, I think you look at some of the successful sequels, like, I think of The Dark Knight. That That's the oh, first yeah. one that comes to mind. What made it so good, even though it was a sequel within a three-movie trilogy that Christopher Nolan did, which, by the way, that's another thing that I enjoyed about that series was... He had a plan, and he had a cutoff point that he wanted to reach to end the story. Some of these franchises don't have a cutoff point. 
He found that point, and in the middle, he had a, a movie that on its own was incredibly inspired with the way that its thought and processing and plot and, and acting and direction all went together, and it made the greatest comic book film of all time with the way that it, it stood on its own and yet was representative of something a lot bigger as yeah. well. So thought like that is important. Maybe some of these movies this summer will have a little bit of that inspiration. Who knows? But they bring in the money. Yeah. They bring in the money. It's, That's right. It, there's you hit no it doubt right about there. It. That's why we've got Pirates of the Caribbean 5, a movie that nobody asked for, that I, as much as I love the first one, it's a really good and inspired movie. Yeah. Based on a ride? Really? Johnny Depp, say what you want about him. He made that movie happen. It was so quirky. It was yeah. offbeat. The sequels? Eh. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah. So here we go with number five. Yeah, let's let's go into the summer movies list then and, and start to delve into things. Well, there- before we do that, let's talk really, really quick about what summer movies kind of are. I mean, not just clearly what they are, movies in the summertime, but what are they to us? Why are summer blockbusters and summer movies so important? It's Popcorn so cool. flicks. Getting together with your friends. Yep. Saving up enough lawn mowing money to get on your bikes with your crew. Do, do kids have bikes anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Riding off. <laughs> I'm raising my hand here. Riding off to the movie theater together, sitting in the front row center. Wow, this is going to be cool, you guys. And you know what? Some of us, you never really grow up past that point. That's right. That's right. So that's what summer blockbusters are, getting together with your friends, uh, whether it's the big tentpole blockbusters or the counter-programming, because you get a big, big movie that'll come out. You might get a movie that has nothing to do with any of the people that are going to want to see the big, big movie, so it's counter-programming. And one movie that I'm kind of interested in uh, is called Snatch. This is Goldie Hawn, hasn't made a movie in like 15 years, Wow! and she's teaming up with Amy Schumer. They play a mother-daughter, and they get kidnapped. It's sort of a buddy comedy and Goldie Hawn did an interview recently where she said a lot of these just kind of interesting offshoot movies that they used to make a lot of that were not part of any franchise, there was character development, there was a plot, there was all these threads that make an important movie, they just don't make those anymore. And this, It's all surface level yeah, with those elements. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of, if you're talking comedies especially, it's a talented cast. But it's a series of sketches and improvisations that just kind of loosely tie together a story, rather as much as like the movie Neighbors. I love the movie Neighbors. But what's the story really about? Sure, it's got a narrative, but really it's one sketch strung together to another sketch, kind of like how an action sequence will string into the next action sequence, and somewhere in there is a story. So uh, the movie's not out yet, so we can't comment, but Goldie Hawn says, this is the kind of movie that I used to make. And we're going to make one of those movies. So we'll if see you're going to be that selective, like like it sounds like she is with picking it out, you would hope then that that means this is going to be something of substance. Yeah. So my point is, while you get the big tent poles, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, you've got the Mummy, you've got DC and Marvel, you've also got some of the counter programming like Snatched and others that kind of fly in under the radar. Yeah. That you might go and see, and because the kids are in the theater one watching the action movie, and you're in theater two with your husband watching this other movie. And there are gems to be found, so we'll see if Snatch lives up to it. It's worth keeping an eye out for them. Yeah, just checking out various movie websites, keeping an eye out for what they might look like. If you're a review kind of reader, you know, you can look into them a little bit. Although, take reviews with a grain of salt. I think that's always worth, worth stating. You know, one thing I'll bring up as far as summer movies, just going to them. 
And it's different now, I'm betting, because I got a kid now and things are a little different now. You can't just go running off la-di-da with your gal because Correct. someone's got to stay with the kid. Correct. So when those premieres open up, you know, if it's going to open Friday night, that means Thursday night they'll have the midnight showing, even if it's earlier than midnight. It's fun to go because usually you don't have a lot of little kids and people that don't want to be there. You know, people that are at the midnight show want to be there. So you don't get the talking. You don't get the texting. You get people that want to see it. Mm-hmm. But if the movie starts at midnight, it means you're not getting out of there at 2 in the morning or whatever. People show up in their pajamas. They're comfortable. That's fun. You know, you go in there just hyped and amped. You 2 in the morning, you're tired. True that. But you're still, oh, that was awesome. It's oh, yeah. a really cool experience. Oh, yeah. And I can promise you this. It won't happen in the next couple of years, but it will happen. There'll be some really cool movie that'll come out in the summertime. And when my kiddo is still a little kid, maybe 10, not old enough to do it, but old enough that he's going to get to do it, I'll take him to a midnight showing. And he will, he'll, he'll have a ball. Star Wars Episode 12 or whatever it'll be, he'll get to see it. Oh, that's going to make me... A little worried, Dave. If, that, if it goes into episode twelve range, oh they've boy. already said we got plans beyond nine. So. Oh man! Well, so we got the summer of twenty seventeen. Yes. And another thing we were talking about just before we really get off the board here is that summer movie blockbusters you think are going to be you know Memorial Day to Labor Day. As you've noticed, the trend over the last couple of decades, August seems to be like January. It's devoid of really anything. Every once in a while, you'll get something that'll sneak in there. Yeah, more and more it is anyway. Uh, it'll be the beginning of August where some of those movies yeah. will get inserted in. Like I remember Jason Bourne was slid in at the yeah. beginning of August uh, last year. It, it seems like they're trying to get closer and closer to the, the July window as much as they possibly can while not stepping on or treading on other movies that are being released yeah. within that time frame because – You'll see here, there's a theme with, with some of these movies. Week after week, there's another big movie that's coming along. They don't want to step on each other. They, they're they cognizant of that. But um, you're thinking about, okay, you've got, if you're just going to say it's this three-month window, okay, so what's wrong with August? Why does everything have to be so front-loaded? And there's a logic to it. We're going to put these movies out on weekends where you get a lot of travel. So like a holiday weekend, Memorial and Fourth of July weekends are clearly big movie weekends. That's usually where one of the tentpole, this is the movie of the summer, they tend to come out in one of those two weekends rather than somewhere away from it. But if you just want to get your movie out, why not August? Well, some of the argument is, well, okay, it'll play for a while, but then kids are going back to school shortly Mm -hmm. after, okay. They make the majority of their money in the first week anyway. If it's a really good movie, it'll play for a while. But usually the box office will drop almost 50% the next weekend. Okay, if it's a big drop, that's indicative of how good or bad the movie is. Yes. But you still have a whole month. And we have the argument that we'd said, if it's a good movie, people will see it. Exactly. Word of mouth. Rarely is the movie will come out where the box office the next week actually goes up or stays the same. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. It applies to the movies as well. And of course, that coming from a movie. Well, think about- it, it applies. Think about Deadpool. It wasn't a summer movie. It came out in on Valentine's weekend against Fifty Shades of Grey, I think was the same year that that came out. So it was counter-programming. Yes. You're going to go see the romantic sex movie, they, or... They even created commercials based around that. I yeah. Remember. Yeah. Or you can go see the action movie with a horrible foul mouth, and that movie went gangbusters in February in a month, but they never had stuff like that. Was it because they released it, the counter-programming and the marketing in Valentine's Day, or Deadpool's a very good movie. People wanted to see it, so you got those two going for you. The marketing was secondary. People wanted to see that yep. movie, and they went and saw it. 
Now, if you've got a Dead Man's Chest or Pirates of the Caribbean 5 or whatever they're calling this one, you put, you're going to need to market that one well because no one's asked to see it. People will almost stumble in and we're the one, oh, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, I guess we'll watch it. You know, that's or they'll go for Johnny Depp or something like that. Something, yeah. So you've got movies like that. But look at 2017. We were talking about there's two perfect summer blockbuster movies that didn't come out anywhere near the summer. One of them just came out the weekend that we're recording this uh, podcast. We just had Fate of the Furious come out this past weekend. Right. Very much a summer movie, but it came out in April. Beating the summer rush, and yet it yeah. has gotten a huge box office. That oh, has yeah. come. It is open with over $500 million globally. I mean, that's just how big the, the Fast and Furious franchise has become. Domestically, just over $100 million that it pulled in. Five hundred million plus, though globally, uh, for the fate of the Furious, according to Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, and not only that, it's out, the reviews are saying it's. I haven't seen it, and I don't think you've seen it, so we're not going to spoil it. Obviously, reviews have been decent. Yeah, they've been not overwhelming. They yeah. said the last one was better. Do you think this might be one of those where they're going one too long? Because you know Paul Walker is clearly not showing up in any of these anymore, right. not unless they bring him back like Moff Tarkin. In Rogue One. Well, let me. I'll just say this: when I look at something like the the trailer for for Fate of the Furious, I I keep thinking every time that I that I either see one of the movies or when I see this trailer, I go, "There was a time when they raced cars in these movies. <laughs> now there they're racing time, submarines. There's a time when they raced cars. Yeah, now they're." Now they're jumping on ice past submarines there. You've got Dom losing his mind or something like that. You've got, I mean, what the heck is going on here with all of these, these stunts, these, these crazy, um, these crazy battle type sequences that they try to do using cars as the centerpiece of it. It's like they used to race cars. They used to make it about the, the car side of it a little bit more. Now it's just about what can we do with these vehicles? What punishment can we put them through? And it's become soap opera-esque a little bit now with a, a movie like this with a, a theme and a, a plot that seems to be developing for this. And Jason Statham and Dwayne jo- uh, The Rock Johnson's characters are going to be teaming up now. Like, wait a minute, what happened there? Somebody said somewhere, uh, maybe it was uh, Hitchcock, I can't remember, but there's a general rule when it comes to filmmaking, uh, storytelling. The audience will go with you on one leap of logic. So if you take like a time travel movie, okay, we know it's not possible, but we'll go with you on this journey. Yeah. They will go with you on one leap, not two. If you go with for two leaps, you lose the audience. They're not they're time travel, yet it's a talking squirrel. What? It's just, at that point you lose them. I feel like the Fast and Furious franchise is stretching a little bit more each time. It's like okay, you're going to lose this after a while. Well, it's, it's you know what would be really cool? Let's have this submarine do that aggressive surfacing where the sub actually leaps out of the water like a dolphin and on the ice. And not only that, arriving on the ice are these cars. And this will submarine will oh, oh will fire off a torpedo, and one of the cars will kick the torpedo to another car. Really? Plus you've got really? the world domination theme that seems to be yeah. permeating through this one as well. But it's already out, so that that's the one. The other that you were referencing is Logan, yeah. which, which already came out in Early March. March, and, yeah. And sort of found its own little niche in there to be released in March. Huge release, huge amount of money that was raked in. And despite being a 
sequel per se and and part of the larger franchise of the x-men and, and with much, wolverine itself very much not a very very different movie i went to see it it is extremely gritty it, it's it is the grittiest comic book movie i have ever seen and it's uh, it was almost too much so at least for a person of my taste and just i i thought they maybe tried a little too hard to be extra gritty with the extra violence the extra language i thought that there were some things that they didn't really need to do to drive home what they were getting after because if otherwise as far as like a a deep story that really cut to the cut to the core emotionally oh yeah they had it definitely i think you got to give a lot of credence to deadpool because you got a very i wouldn't call deadpool necessarily a gritty movie it's just very uh, unvarnished as far as making it kid friendly. It's just, it is what it is. Correct. It's in your face. It's an R rated comic book that, like uh, the movie Kick Ass, just is unvarnished and here you go. Yep. And so, if this works for Deadpool, let's do this for Wolverine. But beyond that, Wolverine, this is something that fans have actually asked for. We want to see the dark, R, gritty Wolverine, the way that oftentimes in the comics he's presented that you're not seeing in the standalone X-Men movies with Wolverine or the X-Men movies, and, for a and good, they got it. For a goodbye movie kind of like that with Hugh Jackman in his final movie as the Wolverine, it was the time to do it. Yeah. yeah it so was it, definitely the time it, to do it. It absolutely stood on its own. So those are two examples of summer movies that are absolutely summer movies that had nothing to do with their release schedule. That had nothing to do with summertime. Yep. So they came. If it's trying to separate yourself from the pack, then what goes on from like January through say late April? Because that's kind of where they're starting to slowly work their way into following, in more ways than just the theme. Deadpool came out in February. So that's what came out, but here we are. We just had Fate of the Furious come out, so now we're getting into uh, mid-late April. Now you start getting a couple of movies that'll trickle out. Yeah, the first of which that we have at least taken notice of, coming up May 5th, it it got the early slot this year, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, following up the very, very successful opener, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which some viewed as a risk from Marvel, just a very different kind of movie. It looked like it was going to be a little extra silly, and yet it was a big hit. Its soundtrack was a huge hit as well, going back to some of the hits of the 80s. Volume 2, now on its way here in uh, in early May. You know, you had a talented crew. You had a t- an amazingly talented cast. And they pulled the best out of everybody. And very rarely do I go to a movie where I have zero expectations and I don't know anything. Uh, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man would be one of those. I don't know anything about Spider-Man. I don't really care. So I went and saw the movie and loved it. Yeah. Same with Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not a comic book reader. So I don't know anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think Chris Pratt is a hoot. you got a former professional wrestler in there. You've got Zoe Saldana, who's quite yep. talented. Yes. And then you've got, a, you got, a, you got a, a raccoon and a little tree dude. You're like, what is going Well, to? not so very little in not, the first one. Yeah, true. He now, will be in this one, though. Now Groot is a little, little sapling. With Vin Diesel voicing him. In a, in a compl- yep. And he must have been in a car wreck during the filming of Fast and the Furious and it straddled the gear shift because his voice <laughs> is way up high now. I am Groot. I yeah. am Groot. Yep. But I went in there to see the movie and had no expectations. Almost thought I might hate it. And I thought it was a hoot and a half. Yeah. So this one has got the early, early buzz around it is that it's going to be very, very good. 
Cool. And uh, it's, there's no reviews that are out yet as of this point. Like we said, we will talk spoilers if there's something to spoil. But for most of these movies, they're not out yet, so there's really not much to spoil. Still curious how much they will actually fit into the rest of the Marvel realm. I mean, certainly they, they fit in some elements in the first movie. Will they fit even more in here in the second movie, or will they continue to be kind of their own little adventure or are they going to fit into the larger picture of Infinity War? Well, here's what the rumor might the rumor is and what the nervousness about me is. You get a successful Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. Well, now it becomes the dog pile. You start looking at things like Iron Man 2 where they just threw way too much in there. Now, granted, they were just getting ready to start the Marvel comic universe, and so yes. they had to start tying in some of those threads that have now woven into a pretty good tapestry. Are they going to do something like that with Guardians of the Galaxy, or is it just going to become too much? In this movie, Kurt Russell's in it, Sylvester Stallone is in it. Is this going to be one of those things where it's just too much, or is it going to be a small thread that'll eventually weave into something bigger, or will it be just a complete cluster? It's a good question. Uh, Definitely worth keeping in mind with the Marvel movies, but that's May 5th. May 19th, we have one that is part of a larger franchise. Um, It is... It's a sequel, in some ways, to a movie from a couple of summers ago in Prometheus, but it is also a prequel in other ways. And I'm, of course, talking about Alien Covenant that is coming out on May 19th. Um, Seen a couple of trailers for this. Of course, Michael Fassbender is back, although he's going to be back in another form of his... Uh, of his character, of his android character, David, from Prometheus. It's going to be in a different form, apparently, but there are rumors that David will be in this one as well, and that there will be some kind of reference to uh, Shaw as well, that she'll be in there, Numi Rapace, from from Prometheus as well, but a whole new crew that's coming, and apparently, very much like the Alien movies, will be Covenant, a little bit less Prometheus, more Alien, and yet still tying into Prometheus and the some of the questions that were raised by that movie. You know, a lot more uh, horror elements to this rather than sci-fi oh the trailers definitely oh yeah definitely hammer that home this one i do want to see i'm a i'm an alien fan i think aliens which was the sequel which was well it's hard to say that now the second one it came out in 1986 Correct. it's yeah. hard when it's all gets weird confused in the lineage it's hard yeah to say. yeah yeah so um one of, it's one of my all-time favorite movies i think it's almost as far as its structure a perfect movie um, whether you like the subject or not is a whole other thing, but just the way the movie is put together, it's almost perfect. It's one of the rare movies you can watch again as soon as you finish watching it the first time. My concern is this. Now, you get Ridley Scott going back to the franchise that he launched. He directed the original Alien, and then he came back to it and did Prometheus. I went in there with so many high hopes and walked out disgruntled. So... Is this? And he said, "I have an idea." On the contrary, I actually really enjoyed Prometheus. I know you and I we, we, we we've differed. On My this roommates point. from college and I spent we spent like a, a a whole night. We were up to like three a.m. talking about Prometheus and what does this mean? What does that mean? How does this? We we loved it for for some of the intricacies and questions that it created. Now that I want to go down the rabbit's hole with Prometheus, but the big issue there was when they were making that movie. And we're taking a bit of a side turn here, but still, we're talking about movies, so we're talking flicks. Rick and Nick can't stop us. Indeed. So they'd come up with an idea for what was going to be Prometheus, 
And basically, they rewrote the movie once they got Damon Lindoff involved. Now, Damon Lindoff works a lot with J.J. Abrams. He did Lost. He did a lot of those movies. And of that writing crew under J.J. Abrams, Lindoff was the one that would always throw out some weird curveball and would rarely answer the curveball. Like, what was that mysterious mist and Lost? They never really answered that, you know? Nope. That was a Lindoff thing. Hmm. You know, something to get people talking, but never had a resolution to it. And so a lot of things that were coming up in Prometheus – were Lindoffian, if you want to call that a term. It's That's just, where you hope that a movie like this will help fill in some of those gaps. You hope it will. You Correct. hope the next episode of Lost will explain it. No, it didn't. Oh, it'll be next season. Though. No, it didn't. So will they or won't they? Lindoff has been thrown overboard. He's not involved in Alien Covenant, so that's a good thing. Will they answer some of those questions, or will they just leave them to, well, it was what it was, and we're just... So we're going to move forward now into this next thing. Well, here's the other thing of concern. Uh, like I said, Aliens is one of the is, in my opinion, the best of the bunch. It's rare that a sequel outperforms the original, but in my opinion, it did. So there was a guy, uh, Neil Blomkamp, who did District Nine. He yes, did Chappie, very, very good director. Yeah, who came, who, in, like I said earlier in the show, was very inspired. He wanted to see a proper sequel to Aliens. Now we got Alien Three. Which kind of killed off most of the people that survived Aliens and went in this whole different direction. He came up, you were going to say something. Yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah. Alien 3. I'm with you. I'm with you. Came up with his own idea. Came up with concept art. Came up with a story about what he would do with an Aliens 2, a proper sequel to that. He did the movie with Sigourney Weaver and approached her and said, look, I'm off on my own doing this. What do you think? And she got inspired by this. Long story short, they started moving forward. It became a viral thing that 20th Century Fox never knew anything about until they picked up. Something's going viral here. This guy's kind of going on his own saying he's got a good idea. And they kind of gave him the go-ahead. And then in comes Ridley Scott saying, I would like to do a prequel. Well, all of this... Neil Blomkamp Alien sequel has now been put on the icebox. Correct. They're going to wait till all of this gets done. And originally they were saying, well, we're going to let Alien Covenant go and then we'll do a Neil Blomkamp. Well, now it's being pushed off more and more. Will it ever see the light of day? Now, was was Neil was Scott really inspired to do another movie? Kind of, maybe. Got a little muddled and lost, I think, with Prometheus. In my opinion, yours differs. Um, will the one that's really, truly inspired that was almost a labor of love, will it ever see the light of day? That would be nice just to at least give a revisionist kind of history to what pretty much disappointed everybody with the way Alien 3 both opened and the way that it carried out as well. Yeah. It would be nice to change that. But Covenant will be coming up May 19th. May then concludes with two fairly big movies in name, although kind of raise an eyebrow at how will the quality be that go on back-to-back days. And we start on May 25th with The Rock joining forces with Zac Efron for Baywatch. This movie, I, I couldn't care less about Baywatch. As the show, uh, I've seen like three episodes. I've never seen the show. I've only heard references to it from friends and whatnot. I've heard plenty of people talk about it and about the running down the beach and whatnot. I have no interest in seeing this movie at all. I'm sure there are many people, though, who are excited for the eye candy element of it, of Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron together on screen. Did you see the trailer? Did not see the trailer. Okay, this is where my interest has peaked. They are going to do a Baywatch. Oh, really? Really? You go, oh, this is stupid. Then I saw the trailer. It is kind of in the vein of the Chips movie that just came out that was kind of eh. This is almost like you're not taking Baywatch serious. You're taking the concept and you're kind of putting it on its ear. 
it it might it's going to be either a pretty good wow I didn't think that was going to go that way or it's really going to be good in the vein of Twenty One Jump Street. So is it going to be self-deprecating, or is Kinda. it just going to be, let's find a new element to tap into with this premise? Kind of. Zac Efron plays the beautiful hand. He really is a chiseled specimen, you know, but he doesn't, but he's just a complete idiot in the in the movie. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Zac Efron in real life is an awesome guy. He comes off like he'd be a pretty cool guy. But in the movie, he's a complete airhead, just a complete idiot. Okay. The, the typical, bra, you know, just got the looks and nothing else. Wow! And they play, and he plays it up completely fearlessly. See the trailer. Whether the movie is going to be any good or not, I don't know. But I got a feeling it's going to be better than people are thinking it's going to be. Mm. So if your date drags you in there, you might actually enjoy yourself. Meanwhile, you have referenced it, and you've referenced that your hopes are not high for no. it. Mine are not high for this either. The following day, after Baywatch comes out. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales hits theaters as the Pirates of the Caribbean train continues to roll along. As you said, we did not ask for it, and yet here we are. Is it really rolling? Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush is back for it again. Javier Bardem is looking like he's going to be the, the big bad in this movie. Orlando Bloom's name is listed here. Now, that could be potential. There's been no reference to him in the trailers in any way. However, could we see his character resurface here, especially if this is if this is going to be an end-of-the-road kind of movie, which who knows with these movies, but I don't know. It, it looks like they're trying to tap into the mythology that is has been developed around Pirates of the Caribbean. It just seems that way. This is where the spoiler alert comes back into play. One thing that has come out... Uh, Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley, of course, they were the couple in the first couple of Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Their son is in this movie, so yes, really? that, that's a spoiler. But yeah, it's been it's been revealed. His son is going to be in the character is going to be in there now. How big a part Orlando Bloom will play, I don't know, uh, but clearly he's going to make an appearance at some point, and his son is going to be one of the more major characters. Basically, uh, Jack Jack Sparrow needs the new Will Turner, basically, so he's going to have Turner's son. So Bootstrap's grandson is going to be in this one. Well, but, that yeah. works out perfectly. This this movie, uh, unless they're going to completely throw all this stuff overboard, talk about a talk about a franchise <laughs> that just got way bloated, starting with Dead Man's Chest and really concluded horribly with At World's End, which is where the franchise should have ended. Actually, should have ended with the first one. Um, I, I got nothing for this one. I'm so unmoved and so unmotivated. The only good thing about this is Johnny Depp apparently gets to keep his costume at all times, and he'll show up randomly at children's hospitals at ja- as Jack Sparrow. Oh, great! And entertain the kids, and that's a wonderful thing. Yes, and that's it is. great. That's about where we're done here. Yes, there will be those Johnny Depp fangirls that will and and fanboys who will certainly be at the movie and and will go check this out. I will not be there. I am not very optimistic that I will be there either. If I hear good reviews, you know, then come Christmas, yeah. maybe I'll Netflix and chill and I'll check maybe. it out. I, I think maybe. I might I might let review dictate if I go to this or not. I got to be selective. I'm with you. Let's roll into June. June 2nd, Wonder Woman hits theaters as DC continues to, Try like, to a, write the like train. a baby colt, <laughs> tries to continue to run forward and yet they stumble over themselves over and over. Thank you, Zack Snyder. Wonder Woman will hit theaters. Let me just say this. I think Gal Gadot is great as Wonder Woman. I, oh, I yeah. She was one of the few elements of Batman versus Superman that I enjoyed. I think she suits Wonder Woman extremely well. The question is, 
Can DC get this figured out? Can they get this figured out as they try to move forward? I mean, they've got Justice League coming in November, which has suddenly become the month for blockbusters here. Uh, November seems to be a prime month for that, but Justice League is coming up later this year. Wonder Woman is going to be helping set the stage for it and help set her on her own is a big time movie because it's first time that we've had a, a superhero who is a woman at the forefront of, of uh, a major movie. What are we going to get here though? That's kind of the big question. And, and people who are DC people are a little tentative because it's not going well. Well, this is one where people have asked for it and, you know, guys and gals alike. They've asked for a wonder woman movie and many, many times Hollywood has flirted with the idea of doing it. Everyone from bringing back Linda Carter, who had done it back in the 70s and early 80s, to Sandra Bullock at one point had been mentioned as a Wonder Woman possibility. Now it's finally going to happen. Obviously the movie hasn't come out yet, but the early word is it's more of the same train wreck. Maybe not as bad as Batman versus Superman. They've said it's noticeably better than that. People that have got inside knowledge to this. There's only one way you can go after that, and that's up. Yeah. While the character of Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman was I wouldn't say comic relief, but she was she she was like a good knife in between the chink and the armor. She just she just made it she made it count. In this one, she's got to carry the load, and she's outshined. It is said by Chris Pine, who's done a lot of work with the Star Trek franchise, Captain Kirk, and other movies. Jack Ryan, um, yep. he kind of steals the movie. Is what the early word is, and the movie is just it's still time to fix it. They could probably maybe do something in editing to pull it together. But uh, some of the unnamed sources are coming out saying they're running out of time, though. They're running out of time, and so is DC. As yeah. a good metaphor, yes, their DC is definitely running out of time here. But they they got to get this ready to go because Justice League's taken off in November. So uh, Wonder Woman could very well either whet the appetite or continue to frustrate. Yeah, continue to sink that ship. June 9th, then the Mummy is coming out, which. We're talking about reboots or, or things that have kind of been done before. This has been done before. It's coming back around again, though, and this time it's Tom Cruise who's going to be in the main slot. Big on visual effects by the early looks. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know what to think of the 1999 The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and all that. I was like, really? What? Then I saw it. It's just pure popcorn. And it, it was fun. It was a good movie. Uh, so this one looks to be in that same vein. This is one of those movies where nobody asked for it, but nobody said, please, no. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean, I'm hearing voices, yours and mine, please, no, we're done. We're done. Another one, really? This is one of those nobody asked for, but nobody said no. And there's got every potential that Tom Cruise is going to knock this one out of the park. And also, it's interesting to note, it's a female mummy. Interesting. Sophia Butella, who's in uh, Star Hmm. Trek uh, Trek, uh, Beyond last summer, is the mummy. Oh, really? And okay. she's come back to find her revenge lover or something along those lines. Mm. It's also wrapped up or whatever the deal is. All right. It looks like it could be a surprise over the park. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, so I'm a little uncertain about all of this, especially if there's a reboot involved here. But I don't know. Visually, it looks kind of spectacular, like pretty pretty big and gaudy as far as the visuals. So. If you dig that, you might dig the mummy here this summer. One which, thing I no no pun intended. <laughs> I got, it took me a minute to pick that up. I got what you're saying. Digging it up. Yeah. I will give one piece of credence to Tom Cruise, and I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan either. But with the exception, with a rare exception, his movies are actually pretty good. Even if you don't have any interest to go see him, try go see the day after tomorrow or uh, live die repeat or whatever they're called. Edge of tomorrow. There we go. Yes. 
you wouldn't think about it. And then you see it, you're like, wow, that was pretty good. Jack Reacher, I don't know. Then you see it, that was pretty good. The Mission Impossible movies, ever since MI3. I prefer the TV show. The TV show's pretty good. Have you seen Mission Impossible 3 and beyond? I have not. Oh, then you should. I heard they did pretty well with them, though. You know, they, and then yeah. not just because, well, it was fun. They were good, and they really lived up to the spirit of what the show was supposed to be. Okay. So whether you like Tom Cruise or you don't, maybe it's more the messenger than the message. I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, but his movies are pretty good. All right. So I will give, I, if, if somebody wanted to see it, I wouldn't talk them out of it. All right. It's worth a thought then. June 16th. Cars, the original Cars was pretty cool, and boy, was it a merchandise boomer yeah. when it came out. Cars 2, a little more disappointing in the movie element, but it's that's the way things have gotten these days with Pixar, is that it's getting more and more about how things are doing at the box office with them, yeah. and that's why these sequels are starting to come. Cars 3 is now on the way as well. That is, that's definitely going to be one for the kids, you know, even though it is a sequel and you know, you can look at it for certain movie-making elements. If you want one for the kids, Cars 3 is definitely going to be a good option. Yeah, like we said, comic book movies and and sequels and franchises, they go together like peanut butter and chocolate with the summer blockbusters. You can't just be an adult and have to go see these movies. you got to be the kid that's you know saving up your allowance money to go get a ticket for Cars 3. In the same vein, Despicable Me 3 yeah. is coming out later on in the summer as well. It'll be June 30th that that'll be coming out. Same same kind of thought behind that. I By the way, I love the original Despicable Me. I love, love, love that movie. I, I think Steve Carell is great. My uh, wife loves doing, those movies. Doing what he does. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for movies for the kids, I mean, those are going to be good options. There's even Captain Underpants coming out this summer, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's awesome. I think things like that are absolutely awesome. You shouldn't have just comic book movies or serious stuff. Get stuff for the kids that they would love to see, whether the kids asked for it or not. Groot is coming. Oh, we got the minions. Oh, we've got the cars. They want to see more. They don't care. And if they can deliver it well, like the Toy Story movies so far, uh, all three of those so far, we're hoping good things for number four. We're hoping... I don't, I don't want a fourth one. I don't want Let me put it this way. Car, uh, Toy Story 3. I saw that at a barbecue. It got a little drizzly outside, so we came inside, and the kids were watching it, and the rest of us adults got pulled into it. Yep. I was, I don't know how old I was. I was in my 30s at the time. I was getting teary-eyed. I went to see it in theaters in my senior year of high school, and yeah, it- It was a good the, movie. Like, yeah, this is, but I was like- I want this to be over now. This is just a good way to end it. It's a good way to end it. Yeah. Like, with these with these wonderful um, animated movies that are kid-oriented, it's like, let's end it there because it's so well done. I was let's the, not stretch the cash cow. They're three for three. If they are gonna, if they got a really good idea for number four, <sighs> okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. So well. Eh. It ended so well. I can't fault oh. that, that argument. That's a good argument. Meanwhile, June 23rd, speaking of movies that we did not ask for, yeah. Transformers, The Last Night, they continue to roll along with the uh, the Transformers movies. They, they've become the essence of what popcorn movies are, and... Popcorn movies that it's just let's go see the the explosions and the the very very big creatures blowing up. That's what what we've kind of come to expect here with Transformers. Turned, I don't know. I didn't even go see the last one. Do you know what they've done? They've turned Megatron, the bad guy, into Jason. Oh my! Word. You think you knock him off at the end of the movie, and yet his circuits managed to refuse. Uh, and he, well, we've ended the threat. Amen. Earth is safe. 
until the next sequel. It's That's just right. Enough, enough, enough. I don't. I no. The first one was interesting. It was okay. They've kind of gone downhill from there. No, they've pretty much gone downhill to the point where now it's a whole new cast. You got Mark Wahlberg in the last one. It's just, eh. you know, some people love the special effects movies, I'm and that's all they want. Confused now. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's just straight up confusing. Uh, Spielberg's been involved in these, but I just don't see his fingerprints on it, and yeah. that's that's not a good sign. Now, July has a pretty a pretty nice set of movies that are coming. No. There's we've got uh, we've got a um, a reboot that's in there. We've got uh, that's part of a franchise. We've got a sequel, and we have an original movie as well that is based on historical events. We'll start on July seventh with Spider Man Homecoming, which by the trailer looks very very intriguing. Uh, this is the third re- the second rather reboot, the third iteration of Spider Man that we have had since two thousand, which I think is insane yeah, that we have had Spider Man just come at us in new forms over and over again. But here we are. We've got a whole new Spider Man that is that is hitting theaters here this summer. I like the trailer though. I like how young they are portraying Spider Man with Tom Holland. I like the humorous elements uh, of of his connection with uh, with Iron Man as well. It it has some interesting some interesting uh, depth to it by the looks of it and just the way that it'll fit into the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he showed up in Captain America Civil War, just a small steam ceiling part, actually. Hey, guys. So that, was, yeah. that was a good way to introduce the character, get a little interest going. And you got we were talking off-air about this, that there's such a difference between the DC and the Marvel comic universe. Marvel is getting it right. They've got a grand plan for how all these pieces are fitting together. And Spider-Man, like I said, already showed up in Civil War. Now he's getting his own with a little bit of help from Iron Man. Um, This could be a good one. And while I had no interest in the amazing Spider-Man movies with Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield, nothing against them. I I saw that movie 10 years earlier with Tobey Maguire, basically. Um, And I didn't have any interest to see the sequel. And there's a reason why they're not doing a third one of those. Um, This one looks to be more inspired. Uh, more interesting. I don't plan to see it, but I wouldn't not see it. More of a tie-in, though. That certainly yeah. helps, too. This is a movie that I am very much looking forward to because I loved the last one in this series, War for the Planet of the Apes. You talk about movies that this is they are prequel movies that have been coming out here with Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and now War for the Planet of the Apes. The first two movies have been terrific. Visually, they've been very good. Plot-wise, I have been super impressed with them. I think Andy Serkis is incredible with what he's able to do. There was talk that he would potentially get an Oscar nod for his work as as Caesar in the last movie, in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It, he, it was that good, visually, and in the way that he used nonverbal to, to work to such an extent there in that movie. Um, they've been very good, the first two movies in this this Planet of the Apes reboot. The first one was good. The second one was even better. Like, it, it got rave reviews with how well it did. Now they're getting to the war element as, as the Planet of the Apes continues to be shaped and the mythology behind it continues to be shaped. This is one of those, I'm not ashamed to say it, but it's just you can't catch them all. I've not seen the first two of the reboots. Now, I've seen the original, of course. I saw the Danny, or the, saw the uh, Tim Burton one that he did a few years back, which was eh. Uh, and I wasn't really inspired to see the first one of these, but I heard really, really good things. Yeah. I heard the same thing about the sequel that came. It was really, really good. Maybe better than the last. It was better. Than I have first, intentions yeah. to see, probably not this one. I'd like to catch up, because this is one of those where you need to see the first one, to see the second one, to see the third one. Um, so I'd like to start them. You, you don't even have to see... 
necessarily the Charlton Heston planet of the no, age no, to no. really to, to be able to watch and take this in because we are going back to where this all started because with the Charlton Heston one he blasts, he blasts into earth and heck they blew it up and 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 it's all gone by that point so, we did mention yeah. spoilers right it's a well-known spoiler you blew it up yep so anyway yeah so you don't necessarily have to see that movie to be able to see these and appreciate True what they are and sort of what they've become. However, if you have seen that and you've seen the other ones that came with it, you then can appreciate sort of what becomes and what happens here as this goes on. But on their own, they are they are spectacular. And like I said, um, just some of the nonverbal elements to it and, and the simian versus human type of elements to it, it's it's fascinating. You know, you, really brought up, you brought up the thing about Andy Serkis. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he's the guy that gets all wrapped up in the motion suit you don't actually see him, right. but he did Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He did King Kong in the in the Jackson redo a bunch of years back. So he plays the lead monkey, basically. He is you've seen him every once in a while. He'll show up as himself. In fact, he was in King Kong as himself too. Correct. But um, he what he is able to do and what he has done. If nothing else, he should get a lifetime achievement because of what he has done. It's amazing. With motion yep. stuff. And it's all filtered out into other movies that he has nothing to do with, but he pioneered the way. Yep. Absolutely deserving of some kind of big recognition, I would agree. If you're looking for an original movie, this something that is good. going to be different, this is the movie for you, and this is one that both Dave and I are very excited about. I'm excited because Christopher Nolan is my favorite director, and he comes up with original ideas and original stories really well. Even with something like the Batman movies, he still stuck to just three movies, and he made something original out of it. July 21st, his next movie is coming out, and it is called Dunkirk, and it is based around the 1940 escape from France across the English Channel by English and Allied forces during World War II, a pivotal, pivotal point it was a very dark period of world war ii but this escape was it was a massive flashpoint in the war and that's what he's going to be touching on here uh in this particular movie kenneth Branagh will be in it cillian murphy as well tom hardy is going to be in it and harry styles will be making his movie debut which of course is going to draw a lot of interest from uh fangirls of one direction out there and yet you're going to get to come see a movie that that looks like it could be very good and, and a war movie from Christopher Nolan, which is something new. Not to take anything away from the movie, but I just kind of get a kick out of th- the possibility. What if you get a bunch of bubblegum popping tweens that show up to see Harry Styles? Well, you're Styles? going to get that probably because and of Harry Styles' element. Oh, yeah, that's the idea. But they're not ready for this. And all of a sudden, like you said, this is a dark period of World War II. Now, what Nolan will do with it is anyone's guess. But he usually doesn't to not pull his punches. So you're going to get these bubble come popping tweens watching what could be a dark movie. Uh, but it's a very interesting chapter in history that it's not like the D-Day invasion where everybody knows about it. The Battle of Dunkirk is a bit of a different kind, not lost to history, but it's more on the underside. It's not on everybody's radar. Um, and yet it was an incredible escape with yeah. the way that it happened and the way that they had to filter people across the channel with the German army closing in as they were just racing across France. Yeah, this was this was a massive flashpoint in World War II that is now getting cinematic representation for – we haven't really seen this on a, on a movie scale before with, with Dunkirk being displayed like this. You know, if you think about Inception – which is essentially a heist movie when you really break it down in, yes. a, in a lot of ways. So if this is an escape movie, 
how is that going to tie in with such a rich cast and how many layers? It could really be interesting if you look at Inception as a heist movie and you look at this as an escape movie, how layered and how rich a tapestry Nolan is perfectly capable of weaving. Uh, this is what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, really can't wait for that. July 21st, it'll be coming out. His first movie since uh, Interstellar was the last time he had done a movie, and yeah. that was pretty darn good. It was so. on your top list. Oh, very much so, yeah. Uh, delving into uh, August then, we're we're, start, we're starting to have to reach a little bit deeper. August, and even going into September, if you're a Stephen King fan, you're going to really get your appetite whetted here this summer. The Dark Tower is coming out August 4th, and then It is following on September 8th as well, getting toward the back end of the summer movie spectrum. Labor but, Day weekend, yeah. Yeah, a couple of, a, a couple of um, movies that are based around his work that are, are going to be coming along. And, you know, all of them, you know, it has been done before, for one. It was a TV movie that was really, really well done. Um, funny enough, this is, a, this is probably one of his more disturbing works, whether you've read the book or you saw the previous TV miniseries, it. Um, this is terrifying and a lot of people boris karloff had a famous quote and boris karloff was most famous to play frankenstein back in the 30s he was a horror movie pioneer somebody in an interview asked him one time what is the all-time most horrible thing you could possibly imagine he said answering my door in the middle of the night to a clown so if you're thinking clowns are not your thing this you know this would terrify boris karloff it'll terrify you too and then you got the dark tower which we were talking about. This has been a movie that uh, Ron Howard has circled for a long time, thinking about directing it, and he's called it unfilmable. And the reason that that is is for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of it is just the the scope of it, the theme of it, um, what the visual effects that may be needed, and they're just not possible to do the to do the story justice. There's a lot of reasons why it could be unfilmable, but something has changed now. He's not directing it now. He's still producing it. He and his crew. But it could be interesting. This is one that's been on the blocks of trying to get done for 10-plus years. Now, you've read the book. I've not read the book. I've not read the book. Okay. No. I know roughly what it's about, but I haven't read the book. Okay. I, I don't do well reading Stephen King. I've read a couple, and I just I like the movies better than the books for some reason, in some cases. Really? Yeah. Just just the way that he writes? Is that sort of what that well, centers around? I read. there's a couple that I read. I read Apt Pupil, which is a very dark story about the Nazi that lives next door, essentially. It's a dark story. Hmm. Stephen King, in general sense, maybe the Shawshank is not so dark. But it's, you know, it's, they're dark. They're hard to read sometimes. The movies might blo- might varnish over a few points while the book really delves in deep. You know, every little blood drop is there, you know. And for me, for my taste, it's a little much. So I've not read a lot of Stephen King. I've seen most of the movie adaptions. A couple of things worth pointing out about The Dark Tower from what I've seen. Number one. There's not much in terms of plot detail as of yet. I mean, True. maybe for people who know the book, they, they would know some elements, but... There's not much that's being revealed. Number two, you want two top A-listers to lead the way. You've got a pretty good combo in Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey who are headlining this film. That's not bad. This is what I can tell you about The Dark Tower. You think about uh, uh, Stephen King stories, you'll think things like Cujo or Pet Cemetery or It, you know, where there's some sort of a malevolent force of evil, whether it inhabits a dog with rabies or whatever it is. This is not that kind of Stephen King. It's not like Shawshank either. Shawshank Redemption is a Stephen King story. But it's not a horror movie, even though it's got a couple of elements, I guess. This is a very different type of Stephen King uh, tale, but it's well worth checking out. So if you mm-hmm. come August and you've got a spare weekend, 
I'm very interested in checking it out, whether it'll be good or not, or whether Ron Howard was right and it's unfilmable and it'll hmm. be apparent. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, uh, but true. it could be interesting. Dave, I'm getting a text from up front. Rick and Nick are apparently on their way back. Oh, they're going to find out that we stole the keys to the car. <sighs> I thought they gave us the keys to the car, but you I don't took, know. Took, gave. There seems to be concern, though, that we aren't supposed to be here. Is it time to get out of here? I think it might be time to get out of here. Oh, I think I heard a voice down the hall. Hey, hey. It's been fun. Hoop. It has Thank been you so fun. Much. Yeah, we hope that you will enjoy Sequel Ooh, Fest or Sequel Palooza and Franchise Fest 2017 that's going to be coming along here. There are some good movies that look like they'll be on the way this summer. Surely going to hit the box office hard here this summer as well. But it is fascinating how the big movies are stretching out over time more and more. But that's a pretty solid list that's that's coming out here this summer. And we'd we'll love see to how talk they do. about them more. But, ooh, gee, look at the time. we got a thing. I'm sure we'll get more time in the future, though. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your time at the movies. Until next time, Rick and Nick will join you next time. That's right. Allegedly. Thanks very much. We'll see you at the movies.